0: If you've been around church at any time during your life, at Easter, you've probably heard somebody talk about this. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Now, the sarcastic answer would be, well, where else would we look for him? Or, quite frankly, you see, if you come looking for a corpse, a corpse doesn't demand anything from you. But if you meet a risen, living Savior, that's a whole different thing. The story so far is that the people who were following Jesus have witnessed an absolutely disgusting travesty of a trial. Um, they've even seen the authorities who knew that Jesus was innocent condemn him to death. Then they saw the reality of a Roman execution by crucifixion, just barbaric way to kill somebody and a horrendous way to die. Then they saw um, their hopes and dreams basically be buried. And and that's where we pick up the story and this is what it says. Luke chapter 24 and verse one, very early on Sunday morning, The women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled from the entrance, so they went in. But they didn't find the body of the Lord. They stood there puzzled, which I'm not surprised, right? Um, Suddenly, two men appeared, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed down with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked them, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Which is a great question, really. I mean, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Now, if you've been around church at any time during your life at Easter, you've probably heard somebody talk about this. So it's not new. And it's a good, good question. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? But how you answer this question actually depends on how you approach the question in the first place. Um, And how you view the question in the first place. Don't know if you realise. But the women never actually answer the question. I mean, they've got a lot going on in their minds, right? And they never answer this question. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Now, the sarcastic answer would be, well, where else would we look for him? And there's a good reason for that. You see, if you flip in your Bible all the way back to um, Matthew and uh, chapter 27, This is what it says in in verse 61, 60 and 61. So these two guys came along and they took down the body of Jesus from the cross and they placed him in his own new tomb, which had been carved out of a rock. Now that's in verse 60 of Matthew 27. Then they rolled a great stone across the entrance and they left. Now verse 61 says this both Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting across from the tomb, watching. Now, with that in mind, let's revisit this question. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Well, quite simply, because the last time they saw him, that's where he was. He was dead, absolutely dead, killed by the Romans. And they were good at making people dead. They saw the body being put into a tomb. It had been taken down off the cross by two men, um, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, the guy that came to Jesus at night and asked him what he should do about following his teaching. Now, these two guys, incredibly courageous guys, because they went to the authorities and asked for the body of Jesus to be released to them. So they took him down off the cross. And they wrapped his body in cloths, which was their uh, tradition. And along with 75 pounds in weight of burial spices. And they laid him in a tomb. Dead. 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 Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Because this is where we last saw him. It's 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 really not that complicated. But you see they went there that day looking for a dead Jesus. They came to a cemetery early in the morning looking for the same dead Jesus that they had left there before. Now, when you look for dead people, you look for them in a very different way than you look for living people. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm looking for, for somebody, <clears throat> when I phone up Randy, um, the phone rings and, and Gloria answers. I go, hey, Viking, where's Randolph. And she'll laugh and she'll mock me. And then she'll go and get Randy. But that's not how you look for dead people. You don't look for dead people in a jovial way. They're not turning up at the cemetery with party poppers. This is not a joyful scene. When you look for dead people, like... When you walk into a cemetery, you, you walk in with reverence and respect. And even walking in here early this morning, there's nobody anywhere around. But I, I walk around the edge of the cemetery. I don't want to walk across the gravestones. You see, when you look for somebody that's dead, you look for them with a certain mindset. Mindset. And so they came expecting to find a corpse and nothing else. But they found somebody who Romans chapter 6 and verse 4 describes as raised with newness of life. That must have been quite a shock. What happens when the Jesus that you look for no longer exists and the Jesus that you find is actually full of life? You see, I I actually think that a lot lot of people uh, go looking for a dead, boring Jesus. I really do. And they're quite shocked when they find out that he's no longer dead and boring. I was driving around in Texas a long, long time ago. And we drove up behind somebody on the freeway. And they had this sticker on the back of their car and it said this. It said, Jesus is my co-pilot. Now, I heard a preacher get really annoyed about that. He said, Jesus isn't your co-pilot. He's your pilot. And I'm thinking, hmm, yeah, I see what you mean. But he's actually so much more than that. You see, Jesus isn't your co-pilot. He's not just your pilot. He's the aerodynamic engineer that built the plane. He's the electronic expert that put in the navigation systems. He's the genius that came up with the autopilot. He's the the scientist that invented the laws of physics that keeps the plane in the air. Now, why am I saying all this? Well, quite frankly, you see, if you come looking for a corpse, a corpse doesn't demand anything from you. But if you meet a risen living savior, <laughs> that's a whole different thing. Because he, he wants to be the Lord of your life. That's what he was raised from the dead to do. Now listen, the problem is this. We've taken this, this resurrected, this dynamic savior, and somehow the church has done an incredibly horrible job of representing the life that he gives. Somehow we've taken them the mountain builder. We've, we've taken the architect of sunrises. We've, we've, we've taken the forest planter, the tree grower, the designer of ocean waves, the builder of seahorses, the, the the joy that creates flying fish. We, we've taken the 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 grass grower. We've taken the, the crop producer, we've taken the creator of the cosmos and somehow we've managed to suck all the life out of him and present him as cold and inactive and quite frankly, often boring. And sadly, some people, and maybe, maybe even you, have, have looked for that same Jesus. The same Jesus who was sort of dead the last time that you were around him. But what if the Jesus that's waiting for us isn't dead and boring anymore? What if he actually is the living, active, vibrant savior that this book says that he is? What if he came pounding out of the grave and actually demands something of me? You see, that's a way more scary thought than meeting a Jesus that's boring and dead. And, you know, as I sit in the stillness here in the cemetery, I wonder what the scene was like on that first resurrection morning when graves all over town started to burst open. And people who believed and, and dedicated their lives to following God were, were raised from the dead. Bob Green's here. Followed God with the whole of his life. And <laughs> one day, one day, if what, his, what, what is written in this Bible says is true, then one day Bob Green isn't going to actually be in this tomb anymore. He's going to rise and he's going to join his living saviour. What a thought. What a thought. I would want a front row seat to see that. You see, when when I started to follow Jesus, I thought, honestly, he was dead and boring. I really did. But the power that changed my life is not dead and boring. Now, I haven't figured him out. And I struggle with the structure that we have sometimes at church that seems to suck some of the life and the joy and the... I I even want to say mischief out of following God. But oh, I want to live my life trying to figure out how that works in the 21st century. So if, like me, you maybe thought that Jesus was really a bit lifeless, can I ask you to stop looking for a lifeless Jesus? Maybe it's time to stop looking for a Jesus who's (laughs) <laughs> who, who is dead and boring and not interested in everyday living. Maybe it's time that we actually started to look for a living, active, vibrant saviour, resurrected King of Kings. Maybe that's the person we should actually be looking for on resurrection mornings, on every morning. Maybe that's who we should be directing our attention to try to find. And if you can't find him, and if you don't know where to look, then can I maybe politely suggest that you ask somebody who's already found him? Because <laughs> I know, I know that, that they'd love to introduce you to him or maybe give you some advice on how to find him. What a thought. What a thought. So I want to pray right now. Father, in Jesus' name, help us, help us, please, to leave behind the dead and boring image that we have of you, of your son, and grab hold of the life that brought Jesus out of the tomb. The resurrection power that is offered to us to give us a whole new start in our life. Father, help us, please. Guide us to people. Give us friends. Let us have conversations about whether we believe the teaching of Jesus is relevant in the 21st century, whether we believe that Jesus is living and active today in our world. Father, help us to do that. And if we have an image of Jesus that is dead and boring, then please, by the power of your Holy Spirit, breathe life into that. In Jesus' name we pray. Keep us safe. Amen. I don't know where you're sitting, but but right now the sun's up in the valley. Birds are starting to sing. It's still cold but he is risen. It's not just a theory. He lives in me. Bless you.
1: The word Easter literally refers to the time of year in the spring when the days become longer than the nights. But for the person who knows Jesus Christ, Easter means a lot more than that. It means that even though Jesus died, salvation didn't. Even though Jesus was buried, Hope wasn't, because Jesus is alive. Easter means there is forgiveness for my failures, grace for my guilt, and mercy for my misery. Easter means that the pain and the silence of living in a Saturday world isn't purposeless, and it isn't permanent. Easter means that I can't out the grace of God, and I can't outrun the reach of God. It means that Jesus is King. Light overcomes darkness, and justice will win and brokenness will be broken. Easter means that the scars on the hands of Jesus are telling a story of victory, not defeat. And the same is true for me. It means that I am not alone, not ashamed, not forgotten and not forsaken. It means that the rain and the storms and the wind and the waves of this world will not have the last word because my future is a resurrected body with a resurrected Jesus on a resurrected earth. Easter means that I can join with a choir of saints and angels singing. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, grave, where is your sting? Oh, hell, where is your song? Easter means that as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed my transgressions from me. And as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for me. Easter means that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, because you are with me.
2: was grace that taught my heart to feel. In grace my fears relieved. How precious did Islam to shine, but God who called me here below will be forever mine.
0: This is what they felt like when it happened, and today, it's how we should feel too. Because what it meant for them, it means for us.